first episode of D'Andrea with Co-Hosts. I am D'Andrea Reviews. I slurred my name. Let me do that again. I am D'Andrea Reviews. My website is deandrareviewslaw.com where I review entertainment that the life gives. I review the newest in film, television, music. I interview artists and I try to figure out what they are saying about humanity. Um, whether it's negative or positive, the point is I, I want to see if it's elevating. And I started this series. Uh, if you see one of my previous videos, I go into my backstory, why I wanted to start this series. And the very first episode, I chose to have as my co-host for D'Angelo the co-host, River Hooks. She's an old friend, a music publicist, and an excellent artist. Before every interview, I ask artists to send me their top favorite conversations to have. Think about it like if you're at a dinner party and you're like, okay, this is, this is what I like to talk about. This is where I thrive. This is where I look cool or funny or smart, or at least my own interest in the conversation really starts to topics River wanted to discuss, wanted to discuss what it was to be a female producer in the music industry, the frustrations and prejudices that that brings along in and of itself and the immense pressure of having to be an influencer today. I mean, you can't just be an artist. You have to be a brand, a business. Um, there's no such thing as I'm a creative. You're a creative business. And it's really hard because um, not everybody's into that. It's, it's not easy to constantly put yourself out there and be authentic. It's a funny thing that we have to expose ourselves to be commodified and then it's as if authenticity sells, but in selling authenticity, it oddly becomes inauthentic. Yes, that's a really deep thought, super philosophical, and we get into that in this episode, amongst other things. She loves RuPaul's Drag Race. That was one of her favorite topics, and I could talk about that show forever. We uh, discuss true crime, telenovelas, and we discuss her newest single, You've Lost a Friend, and how this pandemic inspired that this anthem because, well, I think we've all experienced friendship loss in general, but what this pandemic did was it kind of cleared out the real friends versus the fun friends, the people that were only going to be in your life uh, if they met you during a happy hour. It's a really light episode. You will learn a lot about what it is to be an artist in this day and era, and hopefully what it is to be a better person, which is the purpose of my website, deandrewreviewslaw.com, and kind of the purpose of River's music. It's not only about making yourself feel better, it's about making the world feel better, and in that way, that's why we, we wanted to look back at what inspired us to love music, to love it and make it our life because we felt so moved by it. Oh, oh, that's so deep, but I swear we laughed. We laughed so much. Uh, you're going to love this episode. This is DeAndre, the co-host. I am DeAndre Reviews. My co-host is River Hooks. Enjoy. Welcome to 
another episode of Deandra and the Co-Host, brought to you by Deandra Reviews It All, I, where I review um, new entertainment according to what it's trying to say about society. It's all positive. It's all love and light. And today, my co-host is River Hooks. Hey. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. <laughs> love Deandra. She's the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Introduce yourself, River. Tell us about yourself, your new single. Okay. So I'm River Hux. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, audio engineer. I do it all. I'm just trying to be that girl that represents other females in the music industry. So there's a, there's a little girl out there who wants to produce. I'm going to say that she can do it. Put life of a song down. Put life live in the same town. Put life no weekends. Got two jobs. We better stay partying. And we can't come through. Cause I'm saying I'm tired of inviting you. And I have a new single that's coming out next week on February 26th called You Lost a Real Friend. And I also just put out my first debut EP last October called 1111, which I'm super proud about. It took me a year to work on that project. So I'm so happy that it's out. And I've got a lot of collaborations on the way, working on so much music. So I'm just really excited about this year because I think there's going to be a lot more music for me. So <laughs> I'm ready yeah. to pump them out. Yeah. <laughs> well, what inspired You Lost a Real Friend? Did you actually lose a real friend? <laughs> I have. I've, I feel like a lot of people have lost a, a friend or like I feel like in the song it's about like me as the real friend and you lost me as your real friend because like, you know, you have all those. And I've never really heard a song like that before. I feel like we always hear the song about like either losing a friend in the terms of dying or losing a friend in terms of just like, I don't know, like I lost a friend or whatever, but it's always so sad. You know, and I kind of wanted the song to kind of be like an anthemic song of like, yeah, you lost a friend, but it's okay. We're, you know, we're in this together. Shit happens. You know, a lot of people, especially during this time in the pandemic, I feel like I've lost so many friends because, you know, we're not really talking all the time like we used to because there's not that like bond of going out to places with them. You're not seeing them at the bar. You're not seeing them or whatever. So like, I feel like this time is just like really trying to find who those real people are. And so I think this song was just a really great way of just being like, it's okay if you lost a real friend. Or if you are that real friend and you lost that person, it's okay. Wish them best of luck. And there's no time for negativity, you know? Just yeah. celebrate it. Celebrate it. It's kind of crazy. Like, I was going to ask if you made this during the pandemic because I totally, totally agree with you. I think mm -hmm. that in this time, it made me wonder if like in 2019, we were all just faking it because yeah. I feel like I had a whole bunch of fun friends, but this pandemic made people sad and they didn't want to show me that, or they didn't want to mm -hmm. see that from me. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if that's where this song came from, that kind of realization. We were all just for fun. Where was the yeah. real? I feel like a lot of people were like, hey, you want to go hang out with me at this bar on Friday or Saturday? And it was like, I would just constantly see those people at those spots and nothing else. You can never build more. It's always like those acquaintances or whatever. So I'm that type of person. I'm just like, I just want to hang out with you. Like, I don't care if we're just like talking, walking on the street, just talking, you know? So I just feel like the song is just about like, find, you need to find those friends that, that really, you know, speak to you. You can be authentic with yourself. You can, they can be authentic with you. But I think when you hear the lyrics, I'm so overt in my lyrics that I think you'll, a lot of people are going to relate to them. What are going to do when they come back though? That's my thing. Cause they're going to come back and they're going to be yeah. like, Oh my God, like what happened to you? 
You know, they're going to say that. What happened to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like that always happens. And, like, you know, I'm cordial with them, and we can talk. But, like, I feel like I know where I stand, and I know where they stand. And I got to keep them from afar because I don't want to put that negative energy back in their life again. Because I know what it's going to be like for me because I just don't have time for it. You know, I think we're all getting older, and the time's just like, I don't, I'm tired of the cycle, you know? I just don't want to deal with it. (laughs) That is a very Game of Thrones answer. (laughs) <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, I know where I stand, Cersei. Yeah. I know yeah, you're yeah. a Lannister and you don't pay your debts. Boom. Bye. Okay. Now Watch I Game of Thrones geeked out. <laughs> oh my God. I love Game of Thrones. I really, really do. But, you know, kind of, you, you send me your favorite topics because that's what we do here. We talk yeah. about the artist's favorite topics and you're like, I really do just work. And yeah. music, like I have no life beyond that, and that yeah. was such a curious thing to me because I feel like when you make your greatest passion your job, you just mm-hmm. kind of like get enveloped by it. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like what is your break then? What is your your kind of thing for you that you're not trying to make money out of? Because you turn music, your love, into work. So I'm so used to just like me time and being by myself that like I'm okay with that. So like watching a documentary, I love watching documentaries, you know. So I'll watch those, you know, TV is a good time for relaxation, bath time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> time for self, you know, self-care. So like stuff like that I love to do. And I think it does help with writing and taking a lot of ear breaks for my music is so good. So like even though I am constantly working on things, I like working on other things from like if I have a certain project I'm working on I'll probably have like several other projects I'm working on just so I'm not like so focused on one thing and not feel like I'm just like zoned in and I I just have to focus on this I just like to be able to like have my freedom and do what I want to (laughs) do watch documentaries I'm like are they what kind of documentaries what's a recent one Mm -hmm. well well, Netflix has been putting out those like serial killer documentaries so you know (laughs) I'm so fascinating so like I've watched like the Night Stalker and the Cecil Hotel one was super interesting like I would totally recommend that to anybody just because I like weird stuff and like weird movies like that too (laughs) so I I don't know I'm just always like fascinated in like people's conspiracies so interesting to hear everybody's like tinfoil hat conspiracies these days about (laughs) these things I'm just like I don't have time for it but like it's just interesting to watch people get so invested into something that they really don't have any answers for like even like unsolved mysteries that show that I watch was like It, it was so good, and you know what it's, it's going to be unsolved anyways, but I still watch it. <laughs> and you have a theory, too. You're like, by the end yeah. of the episode, you're like, I know it was her husband. I just Yeah, exactly. exactly. I know it. I know it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, spoiler alert for Cecil Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, for, don't go for the next two minutes if you're listening to this. But I get through the whole thing, and I'm like, this could have been one episode. Yeah. This could have. It didn't need to be four episodes like three mm-hmm. episodes of everybody talking and all these theories and you're like oh snap mm-hmm. what's gonna happen and then the fourth episode happens and you're like oh yeah so it was a mental health issue mm-hmm. well all right yeah, yeah. okay yeah an everyday <laughs> girl struggling with you know 
probably daily life problems like the rest of us. Yes. And like you just made a four page documentary <laughs> you know, on the same thing where it's just like, okay. I, yeah. It was a little like, oh, all right. Well, okay yeah. then. We, did, we went through a lot. But they threw in all these other conspiracies, like the Lisa or Lisa Lamb, like the tuberculosis thing that they mentioned but never talked about, and the whole movie that related to it. So I was like, okay, so you just threw all these things in for one episode, and then never talk about it at the last episode. Yeah, they're it like, was, we're yeah. good. We heated yeah. it up. Now we yeah. don't cool it off. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I mean, capitalizing I think- off of her, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. And now everybody knows about the Cecil Hotel, so there's probably a bunch of crazies that just want to go because they found about the story and they need to go and check it out themselves so yeah yeah I mean I I did think that it was like a I was like is this is she being haunted because there is something very Mm -hmm. haunting about it so I was like is she seeing a ghost or something that was my theory because it was pretty freaky especially the elevator stuff yeah I was like, is she like on LSD? Like she's smoking something beforehand, especially knowing the fact that they were on Skid Row. You know, I was like, and she's like this young girl, like they were saying, so like experimenting in LA or something. So it's just like all these questions that you have watching these shows. And I, I don't know. I like to think when I'm watching sometimes too. So I think that's why I've been putting all, all these documentaries on. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does give me though shame a little bit because I'm like, mm-hmm. should I be so into murder? yeah right yeah that's what I was telling my boyfriend I was like are we like making murderers watching these like you know like I was watching the Night Stalker and he was like oh yeah this guy was a student of serial killers I was like we're kind of promoting all these people like are we gonna create more serial killers watching all these documentaries it's like interesting to think about that (laughs) you know I, I there is always those arguments that like violent movies inspire violence you know what's my my problem with that is I I can see a car accident and not think you know what I want to crash my car like it depends on the person like Mm -hmm. I watch these documentaries and I I do feel bad like the the vanishing at Cecil Hotel that one made me feel I think that the ending was kind of a little anticlimactic but at the same time I was like wow I, I didn't know that that bipolar disorder was that like, I, I, I didn't know it was that, like, how yeah. she acted, how she got. So you do learn. And I think, yeah. like, things like Dateline have made me definitely, like, I have to make sure that if things go wrong with this man, he doesn't kill me. Yeah. It has it has reframed how I date. I just want to. I hear you. <laughs> There's all those, like, HBO shows that came out, like, I don't know, what they're, I forget what they're called, but I watched two of them, it was basically, like, you're living with this murder, and you just never knew. One bad thing that you did, and then you're gone. It's like, who am I dating? <laughs> you start to, like, question everything in your life. Yeah, yeah, and it's always, like, the 20-year anniversary mark, like, mm-hmm. that John and Kate were married for 20 <laughs> years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, the friends come in, it's like, you know, they were the happiest couple. Yeah. They really loved each other. And Did you I... see their Instagram account? It was like popping. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. John was so nice. I, I, I till this day, I, I don't believe John did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Best friend. He could never. <laughs> he could never. And then like, but then, you know, Dateline, obviously you're like, 
John remarried after six months, a 22-year-old. Yeah, I mean, he had seven girls on the side <laughs> that we didn't on, know John. about. Come yeah. on, John. We know, yeah. we know the truth, John. But, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, those are the things that I definitely, it, they do make me wonder about who I'm dating, how I date. And yeah, it is kind of scary to be betrayed like that. It is. You never know. And it's always the person closest to you. You know, that's what it seems like. The trend is like, oh, it's that, I don't know, that uncle or, or that, I don't know, your husband. You just never know what they're doing when they're like, oh, yeah, I'm just taking a phone call real quick. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just know. like you just never know now. But we're getting dark. We're getting yeah. dark. Watch Dateline. <laughs> but, um, you know, how did you get into music? Bringing it back into the music. I know one of your favorite topics is how you got into music. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've always been doing music. I talk to my mom, like, my parents a lot about this because I'm like, when did this actually start? Like, you know, because I've done it for so long that I've kind of almost forgot because it just feels like music is in me, and I've always just done it. And, you know, my parents always said I gravitated to, like, the music instrument when I was younger. Like, we had a guitar and piano lying around. So I guess, again, me being the only child, trying to entertain myself and a way to express myself was always through music. And my parents always had music playing in the background, in the car, you know. They're, I'm a very diverse person, so my family always played different types of music. So I was always interested in that. And I think as I got older, I started, you know, asking. I wanted to play guitar and piano by the age I was like 10, I think, 10 or 9. And so once I started playing that, I started really getting serious because it was a way for me to, like, fully express myself when sometimes I couldn't like say it into words I just write a song about it and you know yeah. I, I just love the fact that I can be able to get things in my head and put it out musically and that I can connect with other people and I think that's super important right now for me is just like connecting with my audience with my music because um, I think everybody has something they have to say and I think it's just a way of us figuring out how to say it um, in the the medium you're you're trying to tell your story and I think for music it's just always been me so I really started producing um I think when I was 16 in high school uh I you know got a computer had a garage band started playing with that and by the time I went to college um I really started taking it seriously because it was just something that you know I I left home at like 17 you know didn't know a lot of people and it was just cool to just be in my room and you know just really be with my thoughts and like you know write and create so I've just always been making music I feel like <laughs> yeah no I mean it's it's your outlet it's life yeah. music is life people people are not kidding when they say that quote yeah music yeah life. but you are a, you are Mexicana eh, eh, Latina yeah so yes. what is a, a Mexican artist that I I hope that you've you've nosedived into the Juan Gabriel school like, I feel like when I was younger, like, Juanas for me was, like, one of the things I remember always singing, like, Calle Teresa <laughs> would be in the car and stuff like that, Selena. I mean, I my family was always putting on different music, whether I understood it or not. Um, I was still singing it in the car, and I think my, my grandma loved that about me because she was like, you spoke it so well. Just like Selena, you know, she didn't really know what she was saying, but, like, I think I just kind of absorbed that. And I mean, I still love listening to, like, Spanish music. Like, anytime Jesse Reyes has a song in Spanish, you know, 
I'm like sucking that in. <laughs> so yeah. I just love it. It's beautiful. Thinking about how Bad Bunny was on SNL and somebody put this meme kind of mm. like, I didn't understand a word, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the caption at the bottom of while he was singing was sings in foreign language. And I'm like, come on. We couldn't we couldn't interpret, we couldn't say sings in Spanish at least. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you, yeah. SNL. But yeah, I mean I learned Spanish through listening to Spanish music, aka Selena, and telenovelas. Yes. I don't know if you're into those. My abuela is. <laughs> For sure. For sure. All the time. Are you but trying you to say to I'm no, a nine no, no. year old woman? No, I'm just saying that my 90-year-old woman loves her shows. You cannot talk to her when he when those shows are on. She's zoned in. I mean, they're so overly, I mean, I can see why people love it. They're so dramatic and, like, they really entice you and they, like, pull you into the episode every time. So, I mean, I think it's a great way to learn Spanish, too, because you're, like, it's something that you enjoy doing. You can just watch and then learn at the same time. <laughs> you know, I... I do think, I was thinking about it because I love mm -hmm. Spanish soap opera so much. And I was thinking mm -hmm. to myself, there's just one ingredient. Like every story is the same. It's a poor girl who falls in love with a rich guy mm -hmm. who's probably engaged or married to a crazy woman. Or at <laughs> least a good woman who goes crazy because she suspects he's cheating. And then mm -hmm. he actually starts to cheat. Yeah. <laughs> and in the end, he just ends up with the, the, rich, the poor girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the same story, just in different <laughs> ways, with different actors, and we eat it up, even though it doesn't teach us too many good lessons about love. He's so no, but it's a great, it. it's a good story, you know. <laughs> and you're used to it, so you you you're just used to the to the characters already. So you're just like, I need more of it, and the show is on, <laughs> so I'm gonna keep on watching. <laughs> it's the Disney effect, like when you actually look at the Disney princesses, like the Little Mermaid gave up her yeah. voice. Beauty and the Beast got kidnapped, mm -hmm. and she, you're just like, this is horrible. Don't teach little girls this, but I will buy the DVD. And they always have the little <laughs> characters, the animal characters, yeah. as their sidekicks that I love <laughs> all the just time. Just like me. Just yeah. like me. Little doggy. But um, <laughs> you are doing a lot of collaborations. Yes. yes. What is that like for you? Like, you're, I, you're just getting more and more collabs. Like, what... What is it like? What have you learned? Uh, it's funny because last year I was complaining that I didn't have any collabs coming my way. And now this year, I think with the whole EP has really helped me get all these collaborations because people are starting to realize who I am. And the fact that I did produce this uh, EP by myself, they're, they're like, okay, like we can take her a little bit seriously. Because I was already doing collabs beforehand, I think. I was more focusing on that, but like I think now that people are starting to hear my sound, mm. um, it's been a way for them to understand who they're tapping in when they hit me up to collab with them. They're like, oh, I know what her sound is, and I think it'll work well. But it's been great. I love learning like different tricks when it comes to production. It's a great way for me to think, you know, when I make it big, I'm going to manifest that, so I'm just going to say when. <laughs> you know? Manifesting. <laughs> manifesting all the time. When I make it big, you know. It'll be good when it comes to studios. I'm just going to be very adaptable, and I think it's really cool to 
face challenges with different people, different sounds. Um, but I'm constantly learning through uh, production when it comes to like working with other people. Like things, we might be doing the same thing, but it might be totally different. And maybe their way is a little bit easier and I can learn from them and they can learn from me. So it's really cool working with a, a lot of different people, especially when I'm working with them from like all over the world is really interesting because like working with this guy from Poland named Michael Porter, villain, um, who I've done collabs with is from Romania. And then I have these people that I'm currently working with, um, Lord Snow and Orange Bloomer for the UK. And then I have Kate Brunox, who's a really close friend of mine who I'm doing a collaborative EP with. Um, so I've just got a lot of cool people that I'm meeting and it's cool to connect with people across the world. And, you know, we don't have to feel like we're like these lone wolves doing things by ourselves these days, you know? It's a great community of people. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a, a, a like, oh, wow, when you learn from another producer. Yeah. Or like this, especially like an easy trick because you did like 20 <laughs> steps yeah, to yeah, get yeah. to where they were going. You're like, oh, my God. It was just a plug-in. All I yeah. needed was that plug-in. <laughs> yes. Always plugins. I love learning about plugins, you know, or getting free samples or getting free plugins is, is great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just really cool to work with people because like, you know, I'm figuring out shortcuts, way to make my life a lot easier when it comes to producing because, you know, I'm still learning. And I think it's really cool to work with other people because I think producers are always wanting to learn more and we can only do that through working with each other because we all bring something different and there's things that like I want to take from this person's sound and I don't really know how they're doing it, but it's cool that I can be in the same room with them and ask them those questions one-on-one -on -one instead of just trying to figure it out on my own. So I, I think music is so different. We're always genre bending, you know, all the time. So I think it's really cool if you have that little plug-in to throw in to spice it up. I'm also just really love textures and like, uh, yeah. and sounds. And I think it gives it a nice texture when you have like a different, uh, vocal preset on it or a chain or whatever you want to call it i will say that like in terms of what i've noticed in terms of reviewing artists is that there is kind of like at least there's more defining your music emotionally like sad mm -hmm. hip-hop yeah. or anxiety pop because mm -hmm. they they have more problems with being defined according to a genre than they do obviously an emotion yeah, so I yeah. feel like the um, adding the emotion makes them a little bit easier about mm -hmm. getting the genre. Yeah. They don't want the R&B or they want the sad R&B. Yeah. I feel like we're just so genreless right now. I feel like every time I listen to these playlists on Spotify, I'm like, is this really like the genre that you're stating it is? Or you're just choosing it as your opinion. And I think it's all everybody's opinion. Like we have yeah. all these like pop genres now, like hyper pop, you know, is a big thing that's coming on now, which is really cool, you know? But it's just like, I just don't know when I, especially with me working as a music publicist, when I do work with other artists, I'm like, what exactly am I trying to fit you into? Because there's so many, you know, realms of, of genres these days that it could be anything. You can have like alternative pop and hip hop and an EDM all in one song and it still makes a great song, but it's just like, I don't think there really is a genre now, unless you're really trying to focus in on that genre. You know, you're that yeah. type of person. Yeah. Yeah. Entertainment journalists and critics. I think that the younger critics and the, the younger journalists are totally into the life without a genre. Like yeah, they, if they totally. plug it in, it's because that's how we were taught. Mm -hmm. But we're kind of like, we're used to that genre list. Whereas like older uh, critics, 
and mm-hmm. older journalists are like, this is country folk. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, there's just like a twang of a guitar. There's not really, <laughs> yeah. I think that's country folk music. <laughs> they picked all the mainstream artists. Like I've seen like articles um, where they've been like, yeah, this girl sounds like Charlie XCX. 1975 and Avril Lavigne and you're just like what (laughs) like I've actually seen those three paired up in one thing and I'm just like I don't hear it I think she sounds like herself and I think if we just start looking at the artist and basing it off of their sound I think that's all we need to talk about I don't think we need to start basing people from I mean I mean you can if you want but I just don't think it's necessary or if it's correct if by doing this Unless the artist is saying, like, I was influenced by this, so it's probably going to sound like that. Then you can throw their name in, because you know that the artist was influenced by by that artist. But I don't think throwing names because they're mainstream just to make it seem cooler, I, I don't understand it. We enter this crux because we follow older generations and how they mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. And that it's so funny you mentioned that because... I was at a party back when we could have those. Yeah. And it's it was like with this, you know, uppity major magazine with like a lot of major publicists and they were making fun of artists who sent press releases where they're like, you know, uh, I'm Billie Eilish and Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. You know? And I felt really bad because, uh, first of all, how, who, there's no... I know there's rules to how you present yourself and there's an art, but we act like there's a specific formula and that everybody knows it. And then if somebody follows it, we kind of punish them. Like we can't act like you were saying uh, that we haven't done. She's a Charlie X with a 19 set with a splash of 1975. Like mm-hmm. I, I see that a lot in terms of people's writing. Yeah. And I, I felt really bad because they were making fun of artists who do that, but I, I can't say that I haven't seen critics do that or especially older critics kind of geared towards that, that frame of, of making this one artist a combination of, you know, he's Bruno Mars and the weekend. Yeah. Mixed yeah. In. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. It's interesting. I mean, i get it a lot too, where um, when I had my EP, it was really funny because my EP is very, I want to say it's very genre list. It does have a, a indie alternative pop sound to it, but there's a blend of other genres in it. And I would get like mountains was like, it's almost R and B, and I'm like, there is no R and B in my song <laughs> mountains. <laughs> I don't know if you're trying to base it off of my ambiguous ethnicity, <laughs> and you're just like, she's R and B. But I think people just try to mold, pit, put people in a box. And I think these artists today are like, I don't want to be put into a box. I want to do whatever whatever mood I'm in is what I'm producing I want to do whatever I feel I want to make whatever I want to make end of story (laughs) you know and they just want to place you into these these labels and categories and I think we should just stop because it's not happening at least the younger generation is saying that so I think the older generation needs to get that picture and stop comparing us to all these other people that they think that we are because we are who we are. <laughs> but no, but that but that does happen, especially like with black and brown artists, this kind of, you know, he's hip hop. And then you go listen and you're like, this isn't hip hop. Yeah. This is this is closer to punk, if anything. Like, where yeah. do you get hip hop? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, it I want to be like happen. Doja Cat. I want to be like, so like versatile. Like, I love when she did that MTV Awards and she uh, made her song, uh, 
blast. I'm just blanking right now. But like it was an alternative version of one of her songs where she was I like, think it was a say so. Say like, so, yeah. It was. Thank you. <laughs> and it was just so good. It was so good. And I love that versatility where you can just like turn a song from pop and make it almost like super like punk and just like really hard. And it's just like, I think that's what artists need to do today. They need to not put themselves, unless, like I said, unless they want to be placed into a box, then, you know, do you. But like, I think it's really nice to see a lot of these artists, you know, I don't want to ever feel comfortable in what I'm doing. I want to challenge myself. And I think a lot of artists, in order to grow, we have to challenge ourselves. So tapping into other genres, even if it doesn't, something that we want to do, I think just to try it out is really awesome. And I think we'll we'll learn from that and it will help our, our music um, even more. Yeah. I think your example of Doja Cat is perfect because I've been following her for a while and I have, she always felt like an internet artist for me mm-hmm. in terms of somebody who just perfectly understood the internet. Yeah. And learned how to maneuver her image and sound according to the world that world because the internet is everything. Mm-hmm. Like she yeah. understands going viral. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Moo, <laughs> like Bitch and Macau, like the and and it's sad to say that's how she became really like viral. I feel like because she was making music beforehand, and I and yeah. I know she said it in her Genius uh, interview. Where she was like, I wanted to make something that was like this in order to, you know, put my foot out and like say, here I am, look at me. You know, I had to do something so outlandish for people to take me serious in my previous work and the work that I'm putting out, you know. And it's hard that we have to like, as artists, think about that. We can't just focus on the music now. It's all about like TikTok, if you're a TikTok on TikTok or not, or like whether you have all these Instagram followers. It's just really hard that we can't just you hear all these girls like, I want to be an influencer. They don't want to be, you know, a teacher, a doctor, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they want to be influencers now because that's what they see. And it's just sad to say um, social media has really taken well, over. But it, it is kind of crazy in terms of it shows what an image-based society we are. And I was reading how the biggest songs are parody songs. Yeah. So I, it makes sense <laughs> that, that Doja went that route as in terms especially as a tiktok star and somebody who was you understood what it means to go viral because parody songs do the best and i find that interesting in a world that everybody wants to be an influencer the best way to the biggest way to break into that world is through a joke yeah i i totally agree and i think like my friend kate and i we always have these like tuesdays or actually just weekly discussions on how to scheme in the music industry because it feels like it feels so fake and so not authentic anymore when it comes to like all the music that's being put in now because it's just like it's very meme and then it's just like that's what's you know getting the streams or these like very meme songs like the fact that I was listening to Char not Charlie XCX it was uh Big Frida 303 uh Rebecca Black and Dorian Electric did a song which was a remix to Friday and it is, you know, and it's just like 10 years later and it's still going, you know, it's, it's still this viral movement, but it's even progressed even more until today. And it's just like, you know, I think that's what people are, are focusing on is the meme aspect. If you become a meme, then, hey, you, you did yeah. something. Backpack yeah. boy flossing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> traveling the world. It's like, why am I putting all this effort and trying to make some good music when I can just, you know, wear a crazy outfit like a cow and you know, stick up french fries up my nose, (laughs) you know, 
to to finally you know make my name and then but once you find me then I can start doing what I want to do and and be authentic it's just sad that we have to go backwards to go forward (laughs) wow that's such a powerful way to put it once you find me then I could be authentic yeah you have to find me through a joke through a parody through an image yeah Ugh, what a world I hope this pandemic makes us more authentic yeah I hope so too. <laughs> my face rejected. Yeah. My my, my yeah. hope. My face was like, no. Towards the final topic, which kind of it's so crazy. It it kind of does connect to this whole idea of influencers and glamming it up. Who calls Drag Race? We're major fans. We're major fans. Mama Roo. Mama Roo. Mama Can't Roo. love yourself. How the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? <laughs> That's literally my motto for the rest of my life. I never know. I never understand. What is it? She already done had hers. I she, know. Yeah. <laughs> she already done had had hers. <laughs> so many. Reading is fundamental, you know. When you have, what is it, charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Like, it's just all yes. these, all these things yes. that Rue has said. And it's so powerful. And you can use it in your everyday life. So I love the show and what it stands for. It's such a quotable show. <laughs> That's why it's so, like, you could just pluck every time you watch something. Like, I'm trying, Vanjie. Vanjie. Who wasn't doing Vanjie? But, yeah. But who are you pulling for this season? Simone, Candy Muse. Mm. Um, I like Candy what? Muse because she reminds me of Vanjie. That, that personality that I yes. love that I've been missing. <sighs> I'm trying to think. Olivia Lux is cool. I do like Olivia Lux, but I'm starting to see she's a little bit shady. I so know. I don't know. I, I'm like, mm, okay, like, especially. Oh, and Utica. Utica is amazing. I love the odd balls of, like, RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, she's very Evie Oddly to me, or, like, Sasha Velour. Yeah. Like, um, so, yeah, I mean, I really like all of them. It's been, it's really hard to, like, choose because each week I feel like, you know, some days they're they're really great. They're on their A game. The next days they're not. But I'm waiting for the snatch game to really know. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, I Simone got me, Olivia Lux, mm-hmm. and Candy Muse are my top four. Okay, yeah, I can like, do that. Yeah, I I do love that Olivia Lux is a polite diva. Yeah. I, I love that she's like the kindest, shadiest person in the world, <laughs> yeah. and I yeah. love that Tina Burner picked it up. Yes. Same. Because I do like Tina Burner a lot, but I'm not, I don't like her style. I think yeah. she's fantastic. Yeah, I, I can agree. I agree. Yeah. I like the, the Tin Man outfit. The Tin Man mm-hmm. outfit that she had on was, was incredible. And I, I think sometimes with the colors, because I know her colors are like Orange, yeah, red, yeah, 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 fire. The fire, like Ronald McDonald, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sometimes it can be cute. Sometimes it's not. And yeah. I do think, like, if I was Michelle Visage, I'd be like, "Where's something different?" You know, I want to see more. I know, <laughs> you know, I know. Michelle Visage is always like, "You're a one note, darling." I'm like, "Tell her she's one noting, please." Yeah, yeah Inform please. Tina this. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think that she's fantastic she has her style and she's like perfected it but it's so particular mm-hmm. and I'm not always into it yeah versus, I, I agree versus the other ones like got Mick um Candy Muse Olivia Lux Simone they I like them always yeah yeah they're always on their a-game and they like I feel like got Mick for me is always just like I never know what she's gonna do like ever 
like yeah. at all. I'm just like, oh, uh. like that outfit that she had on yesterday. I was obsessed with it. Like, <laughs> I was just like, I want to wear that. <laughs> Everything yeah. that she wears, like, I want to wear. Like, I want to be her. So yeah. it's just really cool. I I love it. This got, is amazing. Got Mick and Simone. I think are some of like they just have such a natural charisma. Mm-hmm. What is it? Charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. They just have yeah. it so. Like, every time they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do good. And then they, like, wing it and become the best. I'm like, you're such a liar. I know. Stop acting. I know. I don't know. I feel like they just got a lot of confidence, you know? And I I feel like Simone, I don't know. I was a little disappointed yesterday when I watched it because I felt like she had that inner saboteur that, you know, it happens in the show all the time. You always see it. So I feel like she just got into her head this uh, round because she was just like, oh, I can't dance or I'm not the best singer or whatever so but every other week I mean she's been amazing I mean I love that the one where she was like boxing in the boxing outfit oh my gosh that long do-rag that was like a cape yes Kiana Taylor vibes you know (laughs) I love it well wrapping up the interview then you know we've gone through it all influencers drag racers yes telenovelas we've We've discussed it all. So what are your final thoughts? What are you feeling wrapping it up about the future in your music? You know, you want to play Bavari. You want to play MSG. Yes. What are your feelings? Oh, I see a cattail. Yeah, that's Scout. <laughs> that is Scout. Um, yeah, I mean, I think right after, like, when the world opens up, I definitely want to start performing live because mm-hmm. I have all this music coming out. It really sucks that I put out my debut EP, and it was during a pandemic. It was good because I, I, I wanted to release it, and then I wasn't going to be that person. Like, some people that I know who are like, I'm not going to release music because of this pandemic. I'm like, we don't know how long this is going to last, so I might as well just put it out. And, you know, a lot of people are at home, so and a lot of people need music right now, so just keep on putting out the music. So I think... For me, I'm just going to keep on focusing on the music right now while that is all that I can do. <laughs> um, if there are live performances, I did do one over the summer, um, which was just over like a Facebook live concert lineup thing, <laughs> which was cool. Um, but it's also just, you know, it's sad that I can't perform right now. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully, you know, doing a tour would be amazing on the east coast or something would love to do that and i really want to write for other people write for other yeah. people produce for other people and let it be my main job that is what i want because mm. music is all that i love to do and care about so if somebody is watching and wants somebody also deandra wants to write for people too so <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> so like hit us up <laughs> reach out reach out we're ready we're super talented yeah. One of the best producers out there. Oh, <laughs> River yeah. Hook. Such yeah, a good to... artist name, too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for everybody who wants to know, it is my actual name. So, like, <laughs> that's the funniest part. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, what a cute stage name. I'm like, it's on my license. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's and birth certificate, you know. Your mom um, had a plan. Your mom had a plan. She, she was did. like, I got to give did. my baby a star name. <laughs> she did. She did. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, but also working with a lot of females. I want to really like, you know, put a showcase to like what females can do and what we can represent in the music industry. So I'm working on, um, you know, building a collective maybe of some producers uh, because I ha- feel like I haven't seen that in a while. Like I haven't seen a lot of collectives of female producers. Maybe I'm just not looking hard enough, but 
No, I really that's wanted to brilliant. Like yeah, a, really... a collective of female producers and songwriters. Yeah, I really want to do that. So we can like have a platform where people who are you know female producers, males too. We're not we're not dissing them because they're great. Dis but I... <laughs> <laughs> they just us diss them. I know, I know. <laughs> but I think it'd just be really cool to have like I just really really want to represent females in this industry because it's really sad that we're not really represented on the same platform or scale as these males in their studios because we can do it too yeah it's yeah. about time that you know females run the world like i said <laughs> the life of a song down the life of in the same town the life no weekends got two jobs we better stay partying and we can't come through because i'm saying i'm tired of inviting you all right that was it that was the very first episode of dancer and the coast Brought to you by D'Angelo Guzmal, where I review and interview artists for what they offer the world and have to plug in the website. But that wasn't a bad episode, right? That was a good taste. That was more fun than a dentist appointment. I think we could make that fair assessment. But um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I I feel that that River and I came to the conclusion that when it comes to making your passion your career, A, it's, it's never easy, but I think we, we made our passion our career because we just nothing else fit. I think that there are people, there are amazing musicians that just, you know, they see it as a hobby or they don't, if they made, their passion, their livelihood, they wouldn't be as passionate about it. It depends how you connect to your passion. I think for those of us that have decided to make our passion our career, it takes a lot of strength and a, a constant relearning of how you love. You know, you need to love your passion better. You need to love music more or more richly or deeply because you have turned your greatest joy into work and that means that there will be times when it does make you unhappy especially when you are facing prejudice because people don't see that your joy should belong to you because of your gender your race your class your you know whatever amongst the prejudices that are unfortunately out there. Um, we're both strong. We're both open to creating and learning and collaborating. And I think that is a must for women in the music industry, believe it or not. I think that though we will be more wounded, we do have to be more open because it's what helps you get back up it really is not shutting down not shutting out I think you obviously need to be more perceptive and intuitive and selective and part of getting hit so much does help you gain that perceptiveness and that selectivity but all in all your openness is a way of protecting you because you just have to get back up try again and try again and try again and river has said it before uh, she's learned a lot through the men who scammed her 
all the, the deals that just weren't exactly a deal or an opportunity for her. That being said, this was also a really fun interview. Clearly, we are Team Simone, Team.net, Team uh, Candy Muse, RuPaul's Drag Race. I hope you are watching. And yeah, it was a really, really fun, light interview. And there are many, many more to come. They get really deep. They get really serious. They get really philosophical. But all in all, they are lighthearted and fun and funny because... Again, if you want to understand the world and if you want to grow as an artist, then you need to always approach even the darkness of this industry, of this world and yourself with lightness. That's the only way you'll ever grow. So I hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for more episodes. Oh, it's going to be so good. I swear.